Hello, good people. If you're tired of a world of fake news, fake personalities, and fake images, you're tuned into the right place. This is Sean Barksdale, and this is 10 Minutes of Truth. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to give a special shout out to my family on the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast. These are the people from my mother to my aunts, cousins, um, uncles that were with me and seen me through all of these things through the years, especially in my incarceration and coming home. They really helped me. I really want to thank, uh, like I said, once again, the the, the Davis, Barksdale, uh, uh, Sidner, Carden family. Thank you again. Forget about what somebody else think about you. What do you think about you? Your past don't define you. Hello, everybody. We have very important news and events scheduled for some episodes on voter rights restoration. Please do not miss these upcoming episodes with 10 Minutes of Truth for Sean A. Barksdale. Thank you. If you'd like to become a sponsor or advertise on 10 Minutes of Truth podcast, contact me, Sean Barksdale. You can reach me at 434-446-6633 or shoot me a text. Or you can reach us at 10minutesoftruth.com. And remember, we'll always provide a platform for your truth on the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast. What's your truth? As you know, over the last few episodes, we have interviewed my beautiful mother, Darlene Davis, and my uh eloquent speaking father as you <laughs> as you know uh charlie calvin barksdale uh but this episode is going to be different because i'm on the other side of the microphone and i'll be getting interviewed so uh without further ado this is sean a barksdale sean barksdale how are you sir i'm doing wonderful great to be here thank you who in the hell are you tell the <laughs> folk in just a few words um if in a few words, I would just say I'm a only child that was very lost, that found his way on a miraculous path down the yellow brick road, brother. I tell you what, you must have had a breadcrumb trail from heaven uh, <laughs> because where you've landed right now seems to be a great spot. It is. So it is. what we want to do to the listening audience is let them know your history okay. and then his story. Okay. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. Uh, when you were a toddler, young guy, uh, what was going on around your land? Well, in my um, interview with my mother, one of the things I touched on is that I never felt like a child. I played with toys, but I never felt like a child. I always felt like a grown-up. I always moved like a grown-up. Uh, in my father's episode, if you remember, I remember when my father taught me at like maybe two, three years old, the time I shoot. I wanted to go out. We was living in Oklahoma, and I wanted to go out. I would go out in the neighborhood and be gone all day. This is the 70s, of course, the 80s. Like, yeah, early 80s. At three years old? Three years old. Three years old, you know, God is my witness, man. I, I remember I had my shoes on the wrong foot. This is one of my <laughs> first memories. My first memories, I had my shoes on the wrong foot. My father, you know, the late night, and I go, he's kind of draped off the bed, sleeping, and... I said, Daddy, uh, teach me how to tie my shoe. You know, my father, he comes to you, hey, listen, I'm going to show you this one time, and that's it, man. He sh I'm looking at him, and that's how I learn. Uh, you have to show me while telling me, and I got it. What made you want to explore to leave? Most, you know, toddlers, they want to hang around mom and dad and be in the house. What wasn't there or what was out there that you were looking for? 
Well, everything was it was there because I had both of my parents, you know, even though they were working. But for me, I didn't have any brothers and sisters. I wanted to venture. I wanted to I wanted to learn and I wanted to. And it was out there. I knew it was out there because I was limited in the home because it like. When like I have young children, which you know, and I watch them play and wrestle with each other. I used to like wrestling. I would have to wrestle with an imaginary person, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll get a net thrown over that'll, you, <laughs> right? Dragnet, you know. So I wanted to go out there into the world and see. I was looking for brothers and sisters because I didn't have them. What were you finding? What kind of people were you finding when you went out there? One of the first memories, again, once my father taught me how to tie these shoes, was the house right across from me, a carpenter and, um, I guess, painter, right? Interior painter was painting. White guy. Never forget, he probably looked like he may have been in his mid-50s. That's three years old. I remember this. Three, four. And I remember this guy talking to me like I was a grown-up. Now, mind you. Wow. I'm three years old. He don't know me. He could have just took me, put me in his van and took me to Albuquerque. Yeah, he saw something. You know, so he's just telling me, he's telling me about pain. These are little bitty memories that I remember. And I'm asking him, well, what is this? Well, why do you do this? Because, you know, children is always why, why, why? And I'm just asking. And the neighborhood that I lived in, all the kids were bigger than me. Well, of course, I'm still short you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, vertically challenged right 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 <laughs> but all of them were older than me but i moved in a way that i led them and i've always been like that wow okay so carpentry and painting you know there's a, a carpenter uh, that rules a lot of folk life some folk call him god jesus right. whatever you want to right was it the building or was it the transformation that caught your eye probably a little bit of both but it was more so that it, I like skills. I like, I've always. So it was the learning. It was the learning. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter. It could have been a person digging a ditch and I would have been just as fascinated or a person DJing. I would have been, because I wanted to be a whole lot of things in my life. You can ask my mother. One week I want to be a DJ and next week I want to be a fireman and the next, you know, things of that nature. So it was just the learning. I always was intrigued with learning. Gotcha. So you, that's three, four years old. Let's let's fast forward to right. elementary school. Uh, what kind of a kid were you in school? You pay attention? Did you learn fast or were you one of those troubled child? I was a little bit of all of that because I was blessed with um, I was handsome, you know, so and I, I say that um strategically because uh you know got old and fat now but, <laughs> but, but i was handsome so your teachers automatic and i had charisma yeah they gravitate i had charisma man you know i had to you know and i had this gray patch so that made me really stand out so i was able to get away with things okay i was able to get away with a lot of things so i would try stuff you know, I would push my limits with teachers and, you know, and then people in, in it because I, I, I liked attention, um, but it's how I would go about getting it. How did you cultivate that? Because that's a, a double edged sword. When you know you're learning to manipulate, you can manipulate for positive or negative things. Right. What was the evolution of that manipulation? When I when I kind of I, I learned early that I could I knew how and sad to say I used the first people that I honed that skill with was my mother and my grandmother 
being able to manipulate, you know, this or that out of them. And once I seen I kind of had a knack for it. Uh, this is something that we talked about as well. Uh, not after my great grandfather passed away, that the cultivation of that, it switched to the because it was positive. And I used to do it for positive things. But when I didn't have that male role model like that, it it went left, like my mother said, you know. So that void right. uh, caused detrimental things to happen. Absolutely. Tell me about the void. It sounds like you and your granddad were close. And if he was missing and you went left, why was that? Because my father was in prison. And a child wants a father, man. I don't... Ladies and gentlemen, once again, you have to understand. I know we're in a culture that our women are being reared to think that they can do everything on their own. And even though they do do a lot on their own, you can't be a man and you cannot be a father. Um, I needed a father, man. And my great grandfather really loved me like a ch his child. And he taught me so much. And it was real love. Right. So when he passed away, I was like nine, ten. It was an extreme void there. Let's talk about some of the foundational things that your grandfather you know, instilled in you. Your dad's in jail. Right. Your grandfather's taking over that role. Right. What kind of things did he embed in you uh, that took the void away from your dad, took that missing cog and gave you something to, to focus on? Like I told my mother, my my. My great-grandfather was my first superhero. He was a superhero to me. Wow. I mean, just hands down. He was a 32-degree Mason, and I, I had never seen any man, let alone a black man, with that type of power. What, what is a 32-degree Mason for those that know nothing about being a Mason? Well, uh, not to get too intricate, but uh, the Masonic Lodge is uh, somewhat of a secret society of men, and my grandmother was an Eastern star, that um, it kind of embedded into the community a little differently, and I'm not gonna, you know, go too far into that. But uh, they have certain privileges, and they have certain knowledges that don't come to a lot of people. Hello, everybody. This is Sean A. Boxdale, and this is Ten Minutes of Truth. In these trying times, we have coming up some very, very important episodes and important information on traffic stops and what should happen and how these things should go on both ends with the pedestrians as well as the officers. Not going to tell you who it is. Please stay tuned for upcoming episodes on these important matters with Ten Minutes of Truth for Sean A. Boxdale. Thank you. And so at that time. Like I said, seeing my grandfather with that type of influence, because he was very political. You know, he's very political in the community and the way he moved. I seen him and I seen other uh, uh, races of people treat him without color. And that fascinated me. So what kind of things did he do? What did he do for a living? It sounds like he was a business person to some sort. He was his own man. So he was. how did he earn a living? Uh, well, you know, back then it was, you know, it was agriculture. So he farmed. You know, I remember him. Uh, I came at the end of like the tobacco era and, you know, um, uh, uh, cattle, so on and so forth. But I got the back end of that. Did he have his own land or was he sharecropping? Yes, yes. yes. So no, he one had of his... the few black men that had yes. his own land. Yes. Uh, Did he talk about that to you? Yes. I remember my, I remember him distinctively taking me about seven years old and he would walk with me around the property 
and he'll say, he, he, it, it would be landmarks. He'll say right here, and it'll be like a tree mark. He'd be like, all of this is yours. All of this is ours, so on and so forth. And he would just embed into me the what family was, like the meaning of what a family was and how important it was to carry a family on and how important men are and, you know, and, and that type of generational wealth. He, 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 he taught that to me. I didn't really understand it then, but he was, he was telling it to me. The, the Boxdale properties, from what I understand, are pretty vast. How many acres did he have back then? Um, well, actually, it's not the, the it, this is on my mother. This is my mother's grandfather. OK, so it's the Cardin right side of of the family. And, you know, like I said, it, during that time, you didn't have, you know, people with land like that or moving like that the way that he did. So it was um, you kind of put you in a different category of how you were looked at so the respect factor yes so what kinds of things was he doing with the money that he made uh what was he doing that made you uh respect him even more for not just the agricultural things but the respect he was receiving throughout the community the one of the well <laughs> i remember one christmas i was a night rider fan okay and this it blew my mind Everybody's, you know, getting gifts and I'm getting, you know, socks and drawers and cowboy boots and stuff like that. And that's cool. Um, but he was like, oh, I forgot. This is one more thing. Y'all come with me. And he had a chicken house that he had turned into his um, like a studio where he worked because he's a carpenter and a, a mason as well. Okay. Right. Um, masonry. Uh, so we go out there and he unveils a go-kart that he had built from scratch like Knight Rider. Wow. You talking about with the light moving back and forth. It's crazy. Like it was, yeah, it was crazy. And for me, that solidified how powerful he was though to me and to be able to do that and how much he focused and paid attention to me. He didn't, you know, he would watch Knight Rider with me, but he, you know, he was busy because the, the, another thing I have to say was as far as the move that he made, the road that, that he lived on it was gravel i saw him go through the community i saw him go in front of city council and get it paved right wow this is something that wasn't being done back then this the early 80s man so for for me to see that in that type of power and you know the write-up they had about this guy when he passed away i i, I knew that he was powerful though you know how old were you when he passed away i was around nine ten so everything was lovely oh man um and then it came to a screeching hole abruptly was that a pivotal moment was that where things really went left yeah uh in my eyes because like i remember my people having to pull me away from the casket. i wanted to get over in it wow i really literally, literally trying to crawl i wanted to i was like i'm going with him Oh, I didn't wow. really understand death. I just knew he wasn't coming back, you know, but I just wanted to go where he was going. I just wanted to go. So when he passed, a part of you left, too. And that's what I'm saying. It, it a, a big chunk of me, it just went in the ground with him, man. And I didn't have another man to fill the void. And, and when I say fill the void, I didn't have another man. Now, I had my grandfather, but he worked so much, man. You know, he didn't have time to do what he, his father did. It was his father. He didn't ha just had a time. You know, he still, he did things with me and he loved me, but he was providing for me. So who could have helped change uh, that course of events? Because as a young man, 
you know what you're missing, but you don't really know how to fill it. So if we're going to talk to young men and young women out there, what can they do for themselves to fill those voids? How can they cry out and say, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm missing something? They have to be taught first because I, in, in the black community, we're not taught to unleash or to relieve our pain by telling someone. We think that's a form of soft, you're soft. If you tell someone, man, I'm hurting, or especially black men, you know, man, I'm hurting, man. I need my father. None of us. I, I said before, none of the guys I hung with, you cannot go back and find a picture of any of us with our fathers, any of us. Wow. So we just teaching each other. And so it's if if any of them or if I would have said, man, I miss my father. I want my father. You laughing. You sucker. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody father here. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Right, and that's just right. what we came up in. So you have to change the culture. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, it looks like, you know, it can be changing right now with this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, it is letting folk know uh, that if you're hurting and if you've experienced some trauma, uh, you're going to have to find a way uh, to deal with that trauma. And in a previous episode with Miss Danielle Valine, she talked about uh, trauma. Absolutely. And if you look on the website, you'll find some links uh, to help you deal with trauma. So let's talk about that left turn because mm-hmm. it sounds like it, it's coming around the corner real fast. Right. It it blindsided me. Um, the reason it blindsided me because I didn't understand what was happening and I really didn't care what was happening. Um, and inside of, of that, like my mother said, because I, I, I asked her, when did you start seeing a change in me? She said, really high school, when you started, you know, in the middle school, started hanging around different people. And because I was sheltered to a certain degree. And once I started to venture out and I'm, I'm learning and I'm being around guys that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years more advanced than me. And I know I know how to jig with them, meaning that I know how to get in their crowds. I know how to talk enough for them to let me in their crowds. So I'm learning things that guys in my particular age group not learning. So I'm becoming way more advanced, but I really can't handle the advancement. You know, so it's it's really a lot. And I don't have anybody in my ear in a positive manner saying you should be doing this. So I'm just a free fall. So it, it sounds like where you were busy right. uh, with your granddad. Now you're no longer busy. No. I'm, I'm still busy. It's just busy with a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah, busy with nothing good. Nothing good. All right, so let's talk about that catapult, mm. uh, that leap forward into negativity. What would you say was your first instance of just doing the wrong thing and embracing it? I had... Um I can't say friends. It, it would you would say friends back then, but I had some associates. Con- yeah, associates, man. That we were somewhere. I can't say because I never got caught for this. Um, <laughs> but Let's keep that but, quiet, right? We'll keep that because it's statute, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> limitation. But uh, I was with these guys, and we just happened to come up on a building. And the door was unlocked. And we went in this building and we took everything out of it. And it was such an adrenaline rush for me, man. No fear? Oh, you have an initial fear of getting caught in the moment. Like, man, you know, look out, mate. But afterwards, 
And then what happened was I sold the stuff. Oh, that's where it went left. That's it. You, you saw a quick wave to income. Once I saw the money, because I always had an ability to be able to talk, right? I always had that ability to be able to make a person feel comfortable around me talking. I went to school. I never forget. I'm in the middle school now. So I'm roughly around 13 years old, right? Maybe 14. I'm selling the merchandise to teachers and janitors, man. That you stole. That I stole. The stuff that I stole, I'm, listen, I have such and such, such as, I got some lamps. You know, I got, because we took everything. I took the pictures, I took the pictures off the wall, man. You know, I took everything, vacuum cleaner. I'm like, listen. Oh, boy. Listen, this is how I took the microwave. It was a, a heavy duty microwave. Yeah, back then, those were big. Heavy duty microwave, brother. I take the microwave. I don't know. I'm I'm living in a complex. I'm living in an apartment complex at the time. I know everybody in the complex. I know everybody's vehicle hired maneuvers. The lady had a Nissan Sentra. Great. Never forget. You, all you had to do was pop the trunk. It would come up. I put the, <laughs> this is crazy. I put the microwave in the back of her trunk and it, and she rode it around for two days until I got a sale for it. So you, <laughs> she so never even knew it was in there. Mobile storage at its finest. At its finest. I came back and wow. sold it to a janitor at the high school, at the at the middle school. Man. All right. So let's let's talk about that fight or flight feeling, because when you were about to go in the door, yep. there's a feeling. There's a feeling. Did you ignore it? What what happened? How do you tell that young man that may be in a similar situation? Brother, when you feel this. Um, that's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, I need young men and women and doesn't matter what age. Peer pressure doesn't have an age limit. It doesn't have an age limit. We think that it only pertains to children. But if you have a person right now, I could tell you, hey, man. We really need to start working out, right? That's peer pressure. It's just it's just a good peer pressure. Right, positive. It's just positive. You know what I'm saying? But it can go either way. So first you have to recognize peer pressure, what it looks like, if it's negative or positive. Because when I had that moment of, man, I shouldn't do this. Man, come on. You know, so now the peer pressure propels you gotcha. through the door. Gotcha. You know, because if I was by myself, I might not have done it. You know, I might not have done it. So it sounds like, you know, you really have to choose your friends, man. You really have to choose who you're around <clears throat> because who you're around uh, may cause you not to be around them anymore. Right. And around everybody you love, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let, let's let's fast forward. Uh, we're in high school now and uh, you already uh, the wonder you <laughs> leaped into your life of crime. Um, catapult <laughs> now now the hormones have got to be raging oh man let's talk about how that worked out for you well i told everybody we're gonna have a book coming out so uh we're not gonna make it a tell-all ladies so don't worry. yeah don't, <laughs> don't give no details bro we're not gonna but uh, honestly uh, like i said i had i had a little bit of looks with me and like i had a little bit of charisma with me so I was able to move. I was able to move through these crowds. And I remember it, 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 when people hear my mother's interview, this will be right, you know, in line with it. I remember the talk. This is why fathers are so important. Gotcha. Trying I to get the talk from my mom. From my mom. This is this is the talk right here. I should have said this when I was with her, right? She comes in from work. She says, Sean, come here. I'm like, yeah, mom. Uh, I know you run around here with them fast, you know, tail girls. You wearing protection? Yeah, Ma. 
All right, you better be. That's it. That's the talk. That's the talk. That's, that's the talk. <laughs> Short and sweet, huh? That's it. That's the talk. Yeah, so that's the, the not t- going to cover it. That's the, the <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no, no oh, pun man. intended. But that was. But I want on ten minutes of truth. We want people to understand what this platform is being built for because these type of conversations are real conversations, right? And they need to be had because. If you don't give that time to a child that they need, they're going to go through those situations like that and they're going to go through them alone. You know, so once I started, you know, having sex and things of that nature and I figured, you know, like and I saw that I could manipulate like that. It was that was crazy, man. So the skill set that you learned um, to steal with Mm. and to to do negative things, you're now applying that to women. Yes. What kind of ways did you take advantage of women? More so emotionally. When I understood that women thought differently from us, men are physical. We are, you know, that's why they look and they smell very nice for us because we're physical. We like what we see. They're very emotional. They attach. That's why you'll see a guy and he's like, you're like, how did he get her? Right. Because she emotionally attached to him. Right. And once I seen that they emotionally attached to things, I used it. That's what I would use. And, you know, having that's why, you know, God gave me daughters now to pay you me, back, to <laughs> pay me back and for me to understand, you yeah, know, these this yeah. somebody's daughters, people, mother, you know, so on and so forth, man. And so when I that I was just stealing hearts, I would just steal hearts, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm sorry to anybody that did that to. Well. It's great that you're apologizing for that. So we have ladies, granddad, uh, a new uh, opportunity to do things different. Um, There was another explosion. Right. Uh, You made a a really bad choice. Yes. Uh, Talk about that, that choice that ended up sending you to prison. Once again, very negative peer pressure. I always was a money guy. I always like sold drugs. That was my thing. Okay, what kind of drugs were you? A weed salesman, coke salesman? What you drugs. sell? Drugs. Drugs. Period. If it, it just drugs. fell under that I umbrella, it was it. If it was a drug, I sold it. Did you take them? I did. I did. Um, my drug of choice more so was marijuana. You know, I and, and alcohol. Later in my career, I sniffed coke for a little while, maybe like a year. They talk about don't get high on your own supply. How did you keep the, you know, the usage away from the profit? Because and and once again, a lot of people are falling under this umbrella now. We didn't look at sniffing coke. A lot of people didn't look at sniffing coke like smoking coke. I don't smoke no coke. I ain't no crackhead, but uh, it's cocaine. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so same stuff. it's the same stuff, just a different format of how you're using it. Um, so that's how I looked at it. I tricked myself to say, oh, no, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't really sniff, but maybe like when I'm partying or I'm with some girls or something like that. I'm not no everyday user of that. I smoke weed more and I drank more than anything else. So I just tricked myself. Did, did you think that you were smarter, faster, more creative when you were high i knew i was i knew i was <laughs> you knew you thought you yeah, were. I, I, I knew i thought i was i right. used to man i turned into socrates man you know Come what i'm on. saying i'd be outside and you know we in the group we hustling and and i'm telling them about <laughs> i never forget one time right real quick i say uh man you know i'm real high right i say man 
what if all them planets out there used to have life form like us, but God got tired of them and destroyed them, and now we next on the on the list, you know? And they was like, "Yo, that's deep, bro. Like that that could be true." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, you you the guy nobody want to get high around. You scaring the hell out of people." <laughs> Folk packing up their syringes and straws. Yeah, like, oh, like, I'm going home. Yeah, he, I don't, he, like on life, I don't even want no jello crazy. after what I heard. <laughs> oh man, yeah, man. But I was, I was, I was crazy with it, man. I was crazy with it. Well, um, did you work? Did this take the place of a job, or was oh, this just something yes. to do? You make money? Yes, yes. I, I was very lazy in that regard because I had a work ethic. That's why I'm able to work and put in the work I do now coming back to the foundation of my grandparents. But at the time when you make really fast money, um, a nine to five just is, is not tangible. It's not really anything that you would want to do or that you're going to do. You're like, I'm not doing that. You know, not when I can make this and this. So it's just not something you're going to do. So let's let's make sure we put a pin in this because right. 10 minutes of truth talks about the truth. Right. And how you can help somebody. Right. So if you look back and say, okay, I made X amount of dollars and I bought this, I bought that, I went this place, I went that place. Was it worth it? Not one dime. Um, Do you have any of those things that you bought with your drug money? I don't think I got a stitch of clothes that I brought. Well, actually, my mother threw everything away when I went to prison. This is Sean A. Barksdale, and we have some very, very uh, exciting news coming up on gun rights restoration. Um, We're not going to tell you who it is, but please stay tuned because we have some very exciting episodes coming up on 10 Minutes of Truth for Sean A. Barksdale. All right, thank you. Everything. She was like, whoever he was, he will never come back to that. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, like seriously, everything. I came home to nothing. So what sent you to jail the first time? Um, well, the first time drugs, it was drugs. I, I, um, I got caught up with, uh, some crack cocaine, uh, traffic stop with guys I was, I was moving with and, um, and ended up getting knocked off with, with, I think like a, a, a quarter of coke. All right. So the police car is pulling up to the Sally port and you're about to go in for the first time. Talk about that experience because most folk would be scared to death. It was for me. I, I was so deep in the lifestyle. I would it, and, and I was. I used to be really high all the time. So you know, um, when you're high like that, you're not really conscious. You it's like out of body experiences all the time, man. So I wasn't scared. I more so was like, man, what you know? What I mean, like, I lost a lot of money. You know, what I'm saying? that's why I'm thinking. You worried like, man, about I'm the lost, financial I, I, aspect? I, yeah, I lost a lot of money. So you know, when I go in, it never hits you until it hits you. You know, once it gets real with, you know, you're getting fingerprinted, and now you know you have to get lawyers and things. And like so I'm like, oh, this is serious. Let's let's get even more detailed because right. we have a lot of young people listening to Ten Minutes of Truth. Right. Uh, talk about from. The first time they bring you in those rooms Man. and they take the cuffs off, what was the procedure from that moment until you got to the cell? Bro, mine's was different. Let me tell you, because the guys that I was moving with, they thought I snitched on them. Oh man! Right? Oh man! I, I'll tell yeah, you, that's right? not a good feeling. No, it's a horrible feeling, man. It's a horrible feeling, especially when you didn't. You know, at the end, I was the one who went to you know to jail for. It. But in the meantime, everybody, this is like everybody's first charge. So police, they know the tactics. 
of telling, you know, the other person, you know, Sean told on you. Right. And then coming like, yo, you know, such and such told on you. So you like, hey, told on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what? you know what I mean? But I'm going to tell you when I go down to the station and, you know, you're in this car and you're handcuffed. It's, 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 it is a scary feeling because you haven't done it before. Right. And then when they get you in these interrogation rooms, and especially when you're young, um, and like we have on these up and coming episodes that that, that uh, you know with um, of some lawyers so on and so forth, is that the police are never your friend. Their job is not to be your friend. So you know, I I learned early from my father being incarcerated. This man don't talk to the police. Don't ever talk to the police. You know, so where well, they'll try to coerce you into, well, listen, man, if you just tell us, you know, we'll let you go. Yeah, you I knew that yourself. I knew that trick because of the men in the family. Gotcha. So it was it, it was it was it was I really embraced the street. I really did, because like I told you before, I didn't have brothers and sisters. Right. So I was seeking that in people. I was seeking, you know, that that's why you have so many young men and women in gangs now, because they need brothers, big brother. The big, honestly, the gangs replaced the big brother and sister program to a certain degree. That's deep. It is. It, it replaced it because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for fathers. They're looking for big brothers. They look. That's why they call them the big homie. Gotcha. We, we, I, I want to circle back because right. I don't want to let young people think that there's any glorified process to being arrested and at incarcerated. all at all man so they fingerprint you and then what oh man they, they, they once they do that they put you in this room and it's it's a bright light in the room for a reason right it's and and they don't they you they interrogate you right and they put a lot of pressure on you they'll be like okay so um you 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 were in this vehicle and because you're saying no it ain't mine i don't know what you're talking about you know that's the lie you got you know it ain't mine so but when you came out of the car you did such and such right i mean that's what you're saying you know so it's it's an the interrogation is real right and these are grown men that this is their job so they're on you until and especially when you're young until your lawyer gets there right or your that your parents because back then they wasn't like really following procedure now where you got to call the parent they call your parent later, you know what I'm saying? So you might be there an hour or two before your your parent even know you, you, you there. You can end up giving up all the info before you, can, you get representation. And that is something that's very important to first don't get yourself in trouble, and if you do, have enough sense to know what you've gotten into, because that's why I didn't know what I got myself into. You know, at such a young age, you just moving around. And that's a scary moment when you don't know what you've gotten yourself into. All right. So the interrogation is over. Right. Then what happens? Um, They put you, you know, like I said, I was a teenager at this time. So they put you in like this hole in sale and it's cold. It's it because they have to try to keep the germs down in these facilities. So they keep it very cold and they don't want you to be comfortable. Right. And it's like a slab and it's just a real small little thin pillow and maybe a little thin mattress. And you like, yo, what is this, man? You know what I'm Did saying? Did they tell you what was going to happen at each juncture or you're just no. in there until they tell you? Something? No, you just sitting. You just sitting. You don't know what's going to happen to people going by. And obviously you don't know what's going. you don't know. You know, you, you might get something to eat. 
they might forget that, you know, because lunchtime them went by, they might forget to get you a tray or or whatever it is, man. So, it, you know, it's 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 real horrific, man. And it's not like you hear on a rap song or in a movie. You know, it's real life. And it ain't it's it's nothing fun about it, though. Nothing. All right. So now they come get you. Right. And they're going to take you to a cell. Do they just walk you in your street clothes? What's the next? next well, step? if you're an adult now, the first time um, they can't they didn't they couldn't put me in the jail because I was um, I was uh, 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 a juvenile. All right. So I, I was re- I had I got a bond, but they released me to my mother. My mother, you know, she had to, you know, come down and get, you know, my lawyer. So, but I had a, cause I was already getting in trouble, right? So I already had a lawyer, like kind of on retainer. What? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just being on. Oh Lord. Okay. Yeah. So you're gonna see a black woman, right? Come pick you up from jail. Right. Were you more afraid of the police or your mama? My mom. My mom, man. Do you remember the look on her face? My mom. It was it. It was disappointing. It was disappointing and it was fear. You know, it was it was fear because she didn't know what was going on. My mother didn't live that life. My mother wasn't about that life at all. She saw it with my father and then she seen like, man, same thing happened with, you know, my husband. I'm seeing it happen with my son. So that that trauma to a you know, our black women, that's different, bro. Now, you being a budding master manipulator. Right. Were you thinking about manipulating her in this situation or were you coming clean to her? No, I was definitely manipulating. I was, that ain't mine. You're lying your tail off. Yeah, I was, that won't mind, Ma. You know, I was I was just in the vehicle. I ain't mine. You know, so I I I any chance that I could lie, I was lying. So what was the result of that uh situation? Um they had a witness uh, <laughs> that saw me actually throw the crack cocaine. <laughs> so he came to court and he said, uh, that guy right there is the guy that I saw throw the drugs. And put the nail in the coffin and I ended going up state, man. You know, And that was a whole different world for me. So this isn't the local county jail now? No, 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 no. Um, and it's you know talk about that exodus from from being in the county jail and now no i wasn't in the county jail now mind you uh, i had to go to ww more oh okay i mean because i'm a juvenile Juvenile. yeah i was i'm a juvenile so i had to go to ww more which is you know a baby a jail for juveniles so here it is i'm around guys from salt boss and i'm around guys from danville martinsville you know so on and so forth and it's crazy it's crazy because like i'm out of my element you know, I and so were you nervous? Did you feel like you were a celebrity? Were you scared? You know, no, I was, was scared. I was scared. Okay. I was scared uh at, at first glance because you don't know. You don't know what's going on. You pretty much know and I'm small. You know, I'm very I'm I'm small. I'm like five three and I'm like hundred and twenty pounds, bro. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, I gotta get it. Were but you I wasn't fashion a weapon? Were you, were you thinking about what what can I do to protect myself? Nah, I wasn't at, n- 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 I was a uh, I was more of a gun toter. I didn't like close combat at that time. I didn't like to have to get up on you and stab you. I want to shoot you from a distance. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. I don't want to. Now, if I got to rumble with my hands, that's cool. But as far as like uh, a weapon or something like that, I wasn't I wasn't like that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't thinking like that. When you were at (laughs) WW Moore. What kinds of things were going through your head? Were you thinking about, I got to get out of here. I'm going to do right as soon as I get out. Do. All you want to do is just get out. You don't have no plan. 
you don't you know you 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 trying to finesse and lie to get your way out you know mom just get me out of here just get me out of here i just want to get out you know and they're doing everything and you know back to that money you was talking about in little couple of hundreds of thousands of dollars that you may have that stuff be gone you know that stuff be gone to a lawyer or you know um and fees court fees stuff like that so it it never adds up it never adds up and like i said you just want to get out man you know all right so how much time did you spend that first time i did eight months all right and you get out and what happens i get out i get out wanting to do good man i really did i wanted to do good um but again i go right back to the crowd I mean, like the night of. Come on. Like the night of, my man picked me up, and it's, you know. Your mama let you out the house? I manipulated her. Like, Ma, I just came home. I'm just going to go for a ride. You wow. know? So my mom is, you know, she's torn because she like, Sean, you, I'm like, I'm just going, we, I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to get something to eat. You know what I'm saying? She like, all right, man. You know, my mom passive. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's something that I knew. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'll be right back. You know what I mean? So my man picked me up. First thing I'm doing, I'm smoking. Wow. I'm getting high the night I come home. I'm getting drunk the night I come home. So, you Drinking, know. Drinking, driving, and drugging. Well, I'm not first driving, night. but yeah. yeah you know, I'm riding. But I'm riding. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and then it's the girls. The girls done missed you, you know, because you done had that street popularity. You know, so I'm right back in the groove. But now, and this is something that I really need individuals to understand i didn't understand it until i got a lot of time a lot of time when you come home you're a celebrity in the street you're a celebrity everybody wants to see yo you know such and such is home you are famous but it wears off and a lot of guys they don't have that unless they come home Got so you. they go back so that they can come and they don't even know it's psychological. They're chasing fame. They chasing the fame. Wow. They chasing the fame. Your man throw you a hundred dollars or, you know, he take you shopping. He's not just going to take you shopping because you out here. You got to do something for that to happen. And unfortunately, you have to do something negative for that to happen to a lot of our youth, man. All right. So now you're out. No grandfather. He's not around. No. You didn't lie to your mama. Yep. Your dad's in jail. Yep. What was next for Sean Barksdale? More crime. More crime. More um, organized crime, though, because now I'm older, right? How old? Um, now I'm, I'm, I'm like 19. Oh, wow. I'm like 19 years old. Okay. Now, I came home. I, I was working. I, my mother was like, you got to get a job. Da, da, da. What kind I, of job? I was working at Burlington. I okay. was working at Burlington, you know, uh, first real girlfriend, got my first real girlfriend. Were you in love? I was. I was, was she pretty? Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. I was winning. I was winning. <laughs> I, I, I was winning all the way around the board. But because of the lifestyle, I was still dabbling in the dog. Did she know it? The girl? Yeah, 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 yeah. She, 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 she accepted it because anything that I had with me, she accepted. Okay. Because of the love she had for me. But she really didn't like it. The only she liked the money, you know okay, what I'm saying. So but buying things, yeah, 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 but, clothes, yeah, 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 but rental cars and things yeah, like that. But the only time you don't like it is when because everything's good until it's not. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying. So the only reason is just the fact that he might leave me. He may leave me. Okay. So could you see the 
repetitive nature of the arc of crime. Did you know that you had to do something else now because you've done these smaller crimes, you've done these things and you've paid some penalties for it. So now you're going to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do this next one. I'm not going to get caught. Always. You never go into it thinking that you're going to get caught. And only uh, the most strategic criminals have that format to say, okay, well, let me put this away for a rainy day if I do get caught. But for most of us, we just in it. You just in it, man. You're not thinking about getting caught. You think you're too slick and smart to get caught. All right. So we won't go through every single little detail, but there's an armed robbery in your future. Mm. Lead the folk into that. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm mostly dabbled in drug selling. So I had a constituent or associate of mine that he knew I'd get down, though. You know, and the meaning of that is, is that I was a live wire. Like people would come to me when they when they knew it was time to really do something. So when Bugs Bunny needed the Tasmanian devil, he right. called Sean. Like, yo, Sean, going, I'm, I'm the Mikey of crime. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, here, eat it. Oh, here, do it. You know gotcha. what I'm saying? Gotcha. So not really like a, a I can say a crash dummy. I wasn't treated like a crack. Like dudes wasn't handling me like, yo, get him. But they just knew if it was something that had to be serious, I would be serious about it. Gotcha. So you if know, they wanted to win, they're going to choose They're going to come get me. So, you know, this guy, you know, he comes and he's telling me, he's like, yo, I got the perfect spot to rob. I'm like, I don't really, I don't do the robbing, man. You know, that ain't really. He was like, man, it's foolproof. It's foolproof. You know, he gives me the plan. Magic words. Foolproof. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, foolproof. He's like, yo, they have such and such cash in this joint, you know, so on and so forth. I'm like, oh, man, I don't. I'm saying to myself, and God honest truth, I tell my father, I, I said, Pop, because me and my father was like that. Now, was he in jail when you told him this? No, he was out. He was out. He was actually out. And I said, Pop, I said, man, I got this robbery. My, my father said, he tell me, he said, son. Don't do it. And my father had never told me to never do nothing because really? of his lifestyle. He never in, in dictated to me don't or do something. He would always suggest. But he said, I remember. And he said, don't do it. I said, Pop, man, that, but it's, it's this, that. And he said, man, I've never told you not to do anything. And I'm going to tell you now, you're your own man, but don't do it. How much bread were you talking about? This is gonna be. This is gonna blow your mind. So, he's saying like the money bag at the end of the night, at least you know, five thousand something like that. And right? what year was this? Five thousand dollars sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. Uh, probably it's like nineteen, no, two thousand. How many people had to split this five thousand? Two people. Okay, so two it sounded people. like a good lick. Like yeah, twenty five hundred dollars free. You know, that's all right. You know, something like that. Okay. So let's talk about it. Keep going. So, and I want everybody to listen very carefully. We pull up at this, this, uh, it's a store. It's a convenience store. Pull up at the store. And this is how I understand destiny. I had a mask. I, I, the store is, I've never been to the place before. All right? So you didn't know whether it had cameras? Whether the, now, the shopkeeper he, now had Now he gun? had did all the casing. So he's there's no cameras so, and all of this stuff. So what I do is I go into the store myself first. I go in, look around like I'm going to buy a drink. Right. He comes in behind me. He comes in behind me. 
he has an AK-47. <laughs> you tell you <laughs> yes <laughs> we're talking about an assault rifle an assault he got an ak-47 to rob a convenience store to rob a convenience store when he comes in he said yo don't nobody move x y and z the lady doesn't know i'm with him i never forget how she squares my arm out of fear man come on but i'm in it now you know what i'm saying right. so i ripped my arm away from her when i ripped my arm away from her, i'm like where the money at oh wow you know what I'm saying? So she, she, and I could imagine. The look I in her feel, face. I feel, I felt I, now because of how the empathy I have for people that pa they've passed away now. I didn't even get a chance to say I'm sorry or anything like that. Wow. Um, but the empathy I have for people now, that look, that look of fear and terror and, and, and you cause that, you know? So all I'm thinking about is the money at the time. Right. Um, cause I done committed, I done committed to it. You know, it's no turning back now. So, but I didn't want nobody to get hurt. I didn't, I knew I, and I, I had said, I was like, listen, no matter what, you don't shoot nobody. Don't shoot nobody, man. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, no, we ain't going to have got a lot of trust in this gun toting AK-47 right, 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 right. But I knew the dude, criminal. I knew the guy. Oh, he was a nice criminal. <laughs> he was a drug dealer too. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That was his thing. He wasn't into robbing either. So anyway, um, the guy goes in the drawer. He pulls the money out. So he like, yo, with a bag, with a money bag. They was like, we don't have no money bag. So he's like, where's the bag? Where's the bag? There's like the bag. We don't have the bag in here. He goes all around the back of the, because the store is closed. We catch him right when the store is closing. No bag. You know how much money we got? How much? $250. I <laughs> went to prison for 14 years for $250. So the master plan failed. Miserably. The the trust in the master planner failed. Miserably. Not only that, I got to finish the story. We leave out, get in the car. I don't know how much money. The adrenaline is high, right? I'm like, just, you know, we pull off. We pull off and I got, because I had the money. They gave me the money. He cut a light on. I'm starting to count the money. It's $250. Then I got to split with somebody. Wow. So I'm like, it's $250, bro. He like, you know, because he, he's embarrassed, of right. course. So he, yeah. well, you know what I'm saying? We good, though. We got away, da 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 right? I said, man, take me home, man. You know what I'm saying? I go home. Now, when I go home, it's probably about 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Before 7 o'clock in the morning, this guy's calling me. Yo, man, the police been at my house. I'm like, what? I'm like, how? He's like, yo, they kicked my grandmother. He he wasn't there, though. Just so happy he went by this girl house. They kicked his door in. How did they know who he was? This bright guy went to the store a month prior and rented a movie. <laughs> he rented a movie. The woman said, I remembered the guy's <laughs> face and went through her receipts and said, he rented this movie. The guy that robbed us rented this movie. And they went straight to his house, man. So he signed up for incarceration. He signed up for incarceration and took me right along with him, bro. The moral to this story is? Crime does not pay. Crime mm. does not mm. pay, bro, at all. And here it is. I lasted eight months. He didn't crack. He didn't crack for eight months, man. He didn't tell anybody about you. He didn't tell anybody. They had no video. They didn't have anything. No pictures. Nothing. How the hell did they get you? Because they told him, um, 
if you do not give up the accomplice, we're going to give you life. Was that a fact or was that a... That's a fact. That's a fact. They said, they, and they, they could have done it. They actually could have done it because of what it carried. You know what I'm saying? And I, 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 I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't blame him. I couldn't blame him because I don't, I, you know, I had never been in that. I don't know. I don't know. So you know no loyalty saying? in crime. No, it's no, no. You, you will hear that. But, you know, I've been in some crazy situations. Like I said, man, guys thought that I told. You know what I'm saying? So, so how, how did they approach you? So now he told them. How did you find out they told him he told on you? <clears throat> well, that's a intricate story there because I was already locked up when they came for a gun charge. I had a I had a gun charge, man, and I was already sitting and I'm looking to get out on bond on a gun charge. Right. So I'm thinking future's looking bright. Oh, man. Very bright. Very bright. Um, but I had, if, if, you know, that story and itself, you have to read that in the book because it's very detailed. But anyway, um, I'm thinking I'm getting ready to get out. I'm thinking I'm getting ready to get bonded out. So they boxed there. I'm, yeah, I'm packing my stuff. And no, no, come with us. You got to go downstairs. I'm oh, like, wow. go downstairs? Well, for what? I mean, y- y- y'all mixing this up. Yeah, I, so I go downstairs. I know the bro. I go, right. I go downstairs, man, and it's two detectives in the room. They open up. They got a folder. They open a folder up. They turn the picture around and they say, you know, this guy it's it's my co-defendant. I'm like, Mm-mm. nah, they was like, well, he knows you. And um, we know that you were at that robbery at such and such date. Such as I, said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, OK, well, I'm letting you know now, man, uh, when we leave here, we're going to the station. We're going to process the papers. We'll be back to serve you with armed robbery. I said, all right, man, you do what you got to do, you know. Uh, they take me back upstairs, and within three minutes, they're calling me again to pack it up because I'm getting out on bond. You can ask my mother, man, wow. how fast I left the jail because I'm looking, thinking that they're still there. Like, yo, don't let that dude go. Hold him because we got something right, else right. for him. Bro, I wasn't I wasn't home five hours before they was at my mom's house kicking the door in again. Come on. That's the lifestyle I was living. Did man. they really kick the door in? No, no. My mom, um, the, by the grace of God, but they were, I had my neighborhoods on fire. People was like, Sean, what police have been everywhere? I couldn't stay there. I couldn't even stay at the house. How did, how did your mom feel? You know, this is going left. Her husband, unfortunately, you know, back and forth in jail. Now her son back and forth in jail and he just gets out and here they come again. If you go back and listen to uh, my mother's episode, I asked her, um, did you ever feel hopeless with me? She said, look real bleak at one point. Mm. You know, it looked real bleak because I was I was living it, bro. I won't plan at all. And for her, it was just a nightmare, man. You know, your only child. And every time you turn around, this dude is in something and he's in serious trouble. I wasn't in little kitty stuff i was in some serious serious stuff going on man a teacher a principal in mid-atlantic broadband and microsoft we want to tell you some very important upcoming episodes on how these individuals and this technology is connecting in the community this is sean barksdale and this is 10 minutes of truth